Well, welcome. Firstly, welcome to you all for um, to join our service today, uh, especially to those who are joining us for the first time. We're really grateful that you're here, right? Um, for those that I've met before, uh, my name is Ansley, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Chapel of Sydney. Uh, it's a great privilege and a great honor um, to stand here and have this opportunity to share the Word of God with you. And my prayer for today is whatever is bringing you here through the doors of this church, that our Heavenly Father, through His Word this morning, will meet you exactly where you're at. Amen. So as we begin, can we pray together, church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come here this morning in awe of who you are. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. Nothing came to pass in this world without you doing and nothing will come to pass in this world without you moving. So we pray that you humble our hearts. Lord, humble my heart as we receive your word this morning. May your word continue to challenge us to give us peace and give us strength. Wherever we may be with you right now, maybe we're feeling very close to you. Maybe we're feeling a bit far away from you, or even for some of us still, maybe we don't even know you yet. Lord, may your will be done this morning exactly the way you have planned it. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for those who have heard me speak before, you will know that I usually like to start my sermon with a story. More often than not, it's a story about how I fail again to shut my mouth when I need to, when I should, in front of my wife. <laughs> you know, and making Eileen angry is not a good thing, I can say. She's not scary, don't get me wrong, like she is perfectly lovely, but she can be very strong-willed, so you interpret however you want, right? She says I talk a lot, and to be fair to her, I don't disagree, I don't disagree. But today, I want to start things a little bit differently. I don't want to share my story, but I want to share with you a real-life story from the Bible. And as opposed to putting the words on, on the passage, or the passage on the screen like we usually do, I want to share with you this story in a story form. I mean, who doesn't like a bit of storytelling, right? So since we are going through the book of Mark in this sermon series, this story also comes from the book of Mark, specific, specifically in chapter 5. And for those who are familiar with the gospel and may have read this story, this story is about Jairus and the bleeding woman. And for those who are structured, who like structure like myself, the title of today's sermon is, Don't Be Afraid, Just Believe. All right, how are we doing? Should we start the story? Great, great. Okay, okay. So there was this ancient city, ancient village called Caponium. If we can put that up screen, yes. So Caponium was once a prosperous village as it was a major trading hub. So you can imagine, you know, with a lot of passers-by and locals alike, imagine the hustle and bustle of everyday life and work. But you know, Caponium was also like a home for Jesus. Jesus spent most of his three years of ministry in this city. In fact, the Bible talks about Caponium as Jesus' own city. Throughout the book of Mark that we've been going through for the past few weeks, Jesus was in Caponium and in surrounding areas, doing his ministry, 
you know, teaching, healing, and performing miracles. And um, with all the things that Jesus was doing, words traveled fast, and people started wondering, who is this Jesus? I want to meet this Jesus. So this, the story, so the story starts off with when Jesus and his disciples got off the boat on the shore of Capernaum. A large crowd had already gathered, waiting with anticipation to see this Jesus, right? You know Tay Tay's concert last weekend in Sydney? How there were a lot of, lot of fans that, that, that went. And from what Pastor Steve told me, he had a near life-changing experience there. I mean, I, I, I have never been there, so I'll take your word for it, Pastor, Jay, Pastor Steve. But um, I hope that maybe one day, if Taylorship does come to Australia again, and I'm still alive, I can also experience this near life-changing experience. But you know, with the thousands and thousands of people that were, that were waiting, right, just like, you know, in Taylor Swift's concert. Similarly today, on this day, there were thousands upon thousands of people waiting for Jesus. You know, it makes sense. The whole city of Capernaum were waiting for Jesus. Everyone was waiting to see him eagerly. Now, suddenly this man, this man called Jairus, he pushed his way through the crowd he threw himself on the ground right in front of Jesus, right in front of the crowd, and he and said to Jesus, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she can be healed and live. From what we know from this story, Jairus was a synagogue leader. Now, for those who don't know what a synagogue is, synagogue is a place like a temple that Jewish people come together to worship much like what we're doing here today. We come together just like every Sunday. We come together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jairus was one of the leaders in the synagogue in Capernaum. So upon seeing Jairus' desperate plea, Jesus agreed, and he started walking with Jairus to his home to see his dying daughter. As they were walking and with the crowd around them, you know, the crowd was following Jesus wherever they went. They just wanted to go wherever Jesus was going. The Bible tells us there's a woman appeared among the crowd. Now, we don't know much about this woman except that she has been bleeding for 12 years. So imagine 12 years of sickness surrounding you. And she tried to see a lot of doctors. She spent all the money she had but unfortunately, nothing worked. Her condition just got worse. So imagine in her situation, right? She would, have been, she would have been thinking, so I've heard this man, this Jesus, whom who can perform miracles, whom I heard can heal the sick. So, so what if I can just touch Jesus' clothes and I will be healed? And that was exactly what happened. As she reached out from behind, not wanting anyone to notice her amongst the crowd, she touched Jesus and she stopped bleeding immediately. In this very moment, Jesus felt something. Jesus felt power had gone out from me. So she turned around, he turned around, he looked at the crowd, and he asked this question, who touched my clothes? Now, Jesus' disciples were very confused at this question. You know, the Bible didn't record how the dialogues went, but I could imagine Jesus' disciples would have said something like this, Jesus, saying, Jesus, 
brother, there's so many people here. I mean, disciples are brothers of Jesus, right? Right? Brother, there's so many people here. Look at where you are. What do you mean by someone touching you? Of course, someone would have brushed against you. Someone would have just bumped against you, right? What do you mean? Come on, Jesus. Let's just go. Let's just go. It's so hot and sticky here. But Jesus kept looking around because he really wanted to see who touched him. Now, the bleeding woman would have definitely heard you know, Jesus asking, but she was scared. She was scared to come out because she thought she had done the wrong thing. But after a while, she mustered up courage. And the Bible says, with trembling, with fear, she approached Jesus and she told him the whole truth. The truth about how he ha- she has been bleeding for 12 years and probably didn't even know how it all started. How she saw so many doctors and just nothing worked. And how she heard this man, this Jesus, who can perform miracles, who can heal the sick, and told him how I came to you, Jesus, because I also want to be healed. Jesus' reply to her was, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. All right, let's pause at this point of the story. So what, do we, what have we learned? We have learned there are two people in this story. First, we've learned Jairus, a synagogue leader who reached out to Jesus because his daughter was dying. And second, the bleeding woman who reached out to Jesus because her bleeding kept going. And she tried everything she can, but nothing worked. But as we know, as she touched Jesus' cloak from behind, she was healed immediately. You know, Jairus and the bleeding woman are two very different people in this story. On one hand, we've got someone who was a leader in the community. I would say Jairus is probably quite well known in the city of Capernaum, much like our own Pastor Steve, who is very, very well known in the city of Sydney. I mean, everyone just seems to know Pastor Steve. A passionate pastor, but a more passionate bulldog supporter. Maybe it should be the other way around, but, you know. (laughs) What? You should be a more passionate pastor. (laughs) Jesus, Jairus had a good standing in the society he was in. Jairus was a very physical person in the community. Now, on the other hand, we've got this bleeding woman. We don't know much about her, except she has been bleeding for 12 years. In Jewish traditions, as you may know, she would have been considered as unclean because of her constant bleeding. What that meant was she would have been forced out of community, forced away from her family, forced away from her loved ones, cast away from society, left alone by herself to fend herself, live or die. I mean, no one wanted to have anything to do with her. We don't even know her name from this story. By all accounts, she was an invisible person in this community. But both Jairus and the bleeding woman had one thing in common, and that is Jesus' love. Jesus, Jesus responded to them, both of them, with love and grace because of their faith. So here's the first truth about God that I want to bring out from this part of the story. 
And that is, Jesus' love and grace is for all. You know, Jairus, with all that he had, right? He, you know, he, all that he had as a Jewish leader, he had visibility, he had recognition, and maybe also he had a fortune, a good social standing in the society. He probably didn't think that he needed anyone, let alone Jesus. Let alone Jesus, a man who Jewish leaders hated because Jesus' teachings went against everything that the Jewish leaders believe in or the traditions assumptions at the time. But when Jairus found himself on his knee begging for Jesus for help, perhaps going against everything that he stood for as a, as a leader in this community, Jesus didn't see a man who hated him. Although Jesus knew, don't get me wrong, Jesus 100% knew who Jairus was. But instead, Jesus saw a man who stood out in faith to ask and to believe. And because of Jairus' faith, Jesus responded to him with love and grace. What about this, right? What about for some of us, when we hear this phrase, Jesus' love and grace is for all, but when we look at our lives right now, we ask this question, how could it be true? If you only know who I am right now, if you only know what decisions I've made in my past, if you only, if you only know, you know the, the, the multiple times that I've rejected Jesus time and time again, going against everything that He said, right? How can it be true that Jesus loves me? How can it be true that Jesus' love and grace is for me? We don't know much about the bleeding woman in the story, except that she has been bleeding for 12 years. You know, being an outcast of society, she probably would have felt very similarly. She would have thought to herself, how can it be true? How can it be true that this man, right, this man whom I have heard can perform miracles, this man whom I've heard can heal the sick, this man whom I have heard have conquered nature as well, and is so, so powerful that he would notice me let alone to love me when I am the way I am right now. In fact, this bleeding woman was so ashamed of herself that she didn't want to get noticed. She wasn't like Jairus, right? Wasn't like Jairus who, who threw himself on the ground in front of Jesus, in front of everyone, and shouted, Jesus, please help me. This bleeding woman just wanted to quietly and discreetly reach out from behind to touch Jesus' cloak, that's all. But Jesus thought differently, as we know. When this bleeding woman touched Jesus' cloak and was healed immediately, right? You know what I think? You know what I was thinking, right? Jesus could have just kept walking. She was healed already by touching Jesus. Jesus was, was a man on a mission. He needed to get to Jairus' place. Time was of the essence. The woman was healed anyway. She got what she wanted. That should have been the end of the story for her. But no, Jesus chose to stop, to ask and call her out. Why is that? I think this is so important for us to understand, church. Jesus stopped because he, in his love and grace, saw a greater need in her than her physical healing. Jesus saw 
a greater need in her to be loved, to be seen, and to be accepted when no one cared in her community. By calling her out and saying, daughter, um, and can we put up that verse on the screen for a moment? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When Jesus called her daughter, Jesus has given this woman an identity. By saying daughter, Jesus was saying, you don't need to hide anymore. You are my daughter whom I loved. You are worthy to be loved. Now go in peace and live your new life with your newfound health, but also with the new knowledge that I love you, my daughter. You know, this was the only time in the whole of New Testament that Jesus had called anyone, anyone a daughter. How amazing is that? When this woman thought all she needed was physical healing, Jesus knew better and saw the real need in her. Do you believe that Jesus knows you far, far more intimately than you know of yourself? Even, though, even before we utter a single word out loud in our prayer, Jesus not only understands what are you hoping for, what are you asking for, but he always sees what is deep, deep in your heart, even when sometimes we don't even realize it ourselves. No matter who you are, whether you're like a Jairus, who seem to have everything worked out in this world, or whether you are like the bleeding woman who feels so ashamed of yourself, maybe because of your past, or maybe because of who you are today, whether it's something that you have control over or not, Jesus' love and grace is for you today and forever always. And I hope this truth and this message can bring you peace in whatever situation you are going through. Okay, so let us quickly finish the rest of the story, right? We've paused halfway. Okay, so we said, we said how Jesus called the bleeding woman out amongst the crowd and called her daughter, right? While Jesus was speaking to this bleeding woman, terrible news came from Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter has died. You can just imagine how Jairus' heart plummeted in that very moment. From being hopeful, right? From being hopeful when Jesus first agreed to go with him to heal his daughter, to now being completely hopeless in a split second. Everyone was whispering. Everyone was just murmuring, saying, there's no point for Jesus to come anymore. It's too late. I mean, it's over. But when Jesus heard them speaking, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. So they continued walking to Jairus' house, and when they arrived at Jairus' house, everyone was crying, weeping, understandably. But when Jesus saw them, Jesus said to them, 
Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But as soon as Jesus said that right, everyone laughed at him. Because what a crazy thing to say. What a crazy thing to say for Jesus to say, this girl is not dead, but alive. I mean, this is, such a, this is such a sick joke, right? A sick joke that Jesus is saying when the daughter has clearly died. Like, are you serious? Are you serious, Jesus? But when Jesus entered the house, he just told everyone to get out of the house, except for the three disciples that came with him, Jairus and also the, the mother of the daughter. You know, when everyone left, Jesus walked towards the girl. He took her by her hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she got up. She walked around. Everyone was shocked what had just happened. Jesus told the people in the house, gave strict orders to them not to tell anyone how exactly things happened in the house. And Jesus told the parents to give the girl something to eat straight away. So this is how the story ends. Praise be to God. As some of you may know, Ali and I, we are expecting our very first baby. Um, we, we are super excited, but we're also super nervous because we are soon-to-be first-time parents. For the longest time, we were going back and forth on when do we want to know the gender, if we want to know the gender, and if we do, how do we want to know the gender, right? Do we want to know it now? Do we want to know it later? Do we want to do it through a gender reveal? But there was one thing that I said to Eileen from the very beginning when we found out she was expecting or we were expecting. I said to her this, right? No matter whether the baby is a boy or girl, I don't care. Because irrespective, this baby will be a true Manchester United baby. <laughs> will be a true Manchester United baby. I mean, how cute is that? That was one of the first things that I said to Ireland, we have to buy. I don't care whether the baby's a boy or girl, and it just arrived. It just arrived. I mean, you can imagine the baby wearing this and me wearing a shirt and watching May and I play at 3 a.m. in the morning. Because, of course, I'll be awake at 3 a.m. in the morning. And sorry, Benji, I know you must be squirming in your seat right now. But give me this moment of glory. Because as a Manchester United supporter, we don't get many glorious moments right now. And we're actually versing Man City tomorrow morning, so, <laughs> so you know how I feel. So Ali and I, we're excited. You know, we wait with anticipation. And we wait with great joy for the day when the baby comes. But waiting isn't always fun, is it? Waiting isn't always exciting. Waiting isn't always joyful. For some of us, because we have been waiting for such a long time for something, this waiting is making us anxious. This waiting is making us restless and nervous and perhaps even angry. You know, I don't pretend that I know what is in your heart and how hard it must be. But I pray the Word of God I pray the word of God in this next part of the story will encourage you, will give you peace and even joy 
in this time of waiting. So the second truth about God that I want to bring out from this story is Jesus' timing is always purposeful. When Jesus was met with a bleeding woman, right? Remember, Jesus was walking towards Jairus' house. He was a man on a mission. Time was of the essence. He needed to go to Jairus' dying daughter as soon as possible. But Jesus chose to stop, to speak with, and to also acknowledge this woman. You can just imagine Jairus' mind going off in that moment, right? I can imagine it went something like this. Jesus, why are you stopping? Didn't you, didn't, you, didn't you remember what I just told you? My daughter is dying at home. We can't waste a single second by standing here. Look, I know. I know, I know the, the woman has been bleeding for 12 years. I know that, Jesus. But surely, but surely this woman is not going to die by bleeding one more day. But my daughter... My dear daughter may not live to see another day if we don't go now. And as we know, Jairus' daughter died before Jesus can get to Jairus' daughter. A difficult situation has now become impossible for Jairus. And aren't we sometimes like Jairus? when we have approached God for something that is clearly, clearly very, very close to our hearts, but when things didn't pan out the way we wanted them to, or maybe even now, when things are not panning out the way we want them to, we fret, we question, or maybe we, maybe we get angry at God saying, God, why aren't you moving now? What exactly are you doing? Don't you care about me? Let me be very frank with you, church, though. Jesus in God, Jesus never said, God never said we will understand or we can understand everything about his works, whether it is in the world or specifically in our lives. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5, the word of God says, and we'll put it up the screen, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. It's simply not in our place to know. Now, I'm sorry to say this, though, but this is the Word of God. He is our God, and we are not. Waiting is hard, especially without knowing. And waiting is hard when everything seems to be going the opposite direction from what you're hoping for. We have all been there, I'm sure. I have been there as well. But can I encourage you this morning, as I am as I'm convinced beyond, beyond any doubt, right, through my humble standing of God's Word, not just today, but also through my humble journey with God so far in my 33 years of life, it is this. God never does anything without a purpose. And this includes, this includes at times when God is asking us to wait. You know, the Bible is full of examples of waiting, um, this is by no means um, exhaustive, but this is just a few that you may know, right? You know the story of Abraham and Sarah? How they have waited 25 years for the birth of their promised son Isaac from God. And they've got Israelites. Israelites were suffering from oppression from the Egyptian authority. 
So Moses, obeying God's command, he led them out of Egypt. But the Israelites had to wait 40 years until they crossed over to the promised land that God had always intended for them to go to. But 40 years. And last but not least, Noah. From the famous story of Noah's Ark, he waited 120 years from the moment God asked him to start building the ark until the flood came as God foretold. And during those 120 years, Noah was smocked, smocked, mocked. He was mocked by everyone around him saying, you must be so stupid to wait 120 years for this so-called God of yours. But in all of these stories, of course, God pulled through as he promised. That's the first thing I want to know and understand today. But secondly, I believe God allows waiting so that we can become who he wants us to be. When Jairus and the bleeding woman came to Jesus for help, I don't know how much both of them would have known about Jesus, whether they know Jesus is the true Son of God, right? But I don't doubt, I don't doubt at all that they have heard Jesus can perform miracles. I don't doubt at all that they, 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 they know that Jesus has conquered nature by calming the raging sea. I mean, that's why they came to Jesus for help, right? I see, but you see, I believe Jesus could have just healed both of them in that moment without a question, and they would be on their way, happy, satisfied physically. But is that all that Jesus wants us to be? To be seekers of miracles only. I don't believe Jesus just wants us to be seekers of miracles only or just seekers of what he can do for us in our lives. I believe Jesus wants us to be seekers of him. Seeking him, the person of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, who died for us 2,000 years ago on the cross so that we can re restore our relationship with God. And as strange as this sounds, Jesus was teaching Jairus exactly this when he chose to delay his walk to Jairus' house. When Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus was saying to Jairus, if you have trusted me before, when you first asked for help, because you've heard I can perform miracles, Will you also trust me right now? Even when you think the miracle that you have hoped for me to do on your daughter seemed too late. Can I repeat that again? Will you also continue to trust me even though the miracle that you have hoped for me to do on your daughter seemed to be too late? To put it simply, Jesus was saying to Jairus, Believe in me, not in my miracles. Church, waiting is God's way of teaching us and growing us to be men and faith of God who trusts God no matter what. 
there is a purpose behind why God is asking us to wait, even when this goes against every fiber in our bodies. And as we know, Jesus in his love and grace fulfilled what he had promised to Jairus. He healed Jairus' daughter. But not in Jairus' timing, in Jesus' timing. Jesus is saying to us all, don't be afraid, just believe. But believe in me, not in what I can do for you. You know, I was so convicted by this while I was preparing this sermon this week. And I feel that this is really something that God wants to say to us this morning. I know I have been speaking for the most part of 30 minutes, if not more, um, but I do ask that you, you give me a few more minutes to wrap up my sermon by saying this. And Eileen, you're absolutely right. I do talk a lot. You know, we, we sang the song Waymaker this morning, a new song, a very simple but powerful song, and thank you, Andy, for leading us into this song. The chorus of this song goes, and can we just quickly put that up on the screen? The chorus of the song goes, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. As I was listening and re-listening this whole song, worshipping God and meditating on the lyrics, on the truth that this song talks about God, God was saying to me, God was asking to me, what do you believe in? Where is your faith in? God was saying to me, when you sing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, where is your heart focused on? Is your heart focused on the way in Waymaker? Is your heart focused on the miracle in Miracle Worker? Is your heart focused on the promise in Promise Keeper? God was challenging me, see. While His works are all good because He is a good God, is my faith based on what God can do for me, however good they are? more than on God himself. You might be thinking, what is the difference anyway? I don't get it. Even if I do, I don't really care about it. But what I'm telling you now, church, this makes all the difference in the world. However subtle it is. Whether we are going to God for what he can do for us, or whether we're going to God for who he is, makes all the difference in the world. Because if we're going to God for only for what He can do for us, right? And that's where all our faith and all our hopes lie in. But if God in His sovereignty and in His complete authority decides to not answer us in the way that we're hoping for, that we're praying for, then we'll be like Jairus, feeling hopeless and completely shattered. Because all our faith is only on, anchored on what Jesus can do for me. But when we go to God for who He is, we are declaring Jesus I believe you are a good God who loves us and who knows the best for us. So even, even if you don't necessarily answer my prayer the way that I would like my prayer to be answered, I still trust you because you are good. This story shows Jairus' and the bleeding woman's faith, right? 
But I would go as far as to say that faith in itself, faith in itself has no power when it is not connected to the right source. Faith in itself has no power when it's not connected to the right source. It is not the faith on touching Jesus' clothes. It is not the faith by saying the words talithakum that has power. You know the words talithakum? The words come from an ancient language called Aramaic. But these words, right, talithakum, these words were actually everyday language back then. Much like how we, in our modern language, in our modern English language, when we say, wakey, wakey, girl, time to get up. There's nothing special about the words talithakum. The power that our faith brings. As the Bible teaches, and as Jairus and the bleeding woman have learned in this story, comes completely and purely from the person who has the power that our faith connects us to. Can I say that again? The power that our faith brings comes purely and completely from the person who holds that power that our faith connects us to. That person is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's us, faith, Jesus. It's not us, faith, miracles. It's us, faith, Jesus. And anything apart from this, that is not the faith that the Bible talks about and the Bible teaches us. So I'll pray you hear God's word this morning that our faith should completely and purely be anchored on the person of Jesus Christ. Not what He can do for us, even though they may be good, because He's a good God. So let us declare this this morning. Our faith lies in the maker in waymaker. Our faith lies in the worker in miracle worker. And our faith lies in the keeper, in promise keeper, because Jesus is good. But don't take my words for it. Read read God's word. I just realized I didn't open the Bible. It was a prop for me. (laughs) But read God's word here, and you will see his goodness scattered across thousands of history as captured in this book. His goodness is written all over the lives of many that went before us. In your seat, I feel that, you know, I feel that God just wants us to pause for a moment here to reflect on what God has spoken to us this morning. You know, all glory and honor to His Word. We won't spend too much time um, doing this, but, but I just invite you to, to spare a moment. You don't need to speak. You can just sit and listen, or you can close your eyes if it makes it easier. Jesus is saying to all of us, don't be afraid. Just believe. 
but believe in me, for I am good, not only in the things that I can do for you. And after some time, I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up and um, I guess pray for us to wrap this, this service. Thanks, church.